Hey, everyone. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Groundhog Day, Tuesday, oh, February yeah, 2nd, 2021. We lost Andrew because... Because of the groundhog. <laughs> it was a groundhog because we're recording at the bright and early hour of noon 15. And I have a feeling Andrew might still be asleep for a couple hours because to out him on podcast land. I think we've joked about this before, but I think especially now he's a night owl and noon might be his 6 a.m. I don't know. I used to be like that. The worst was when you would wake up or go to bed when the sun was coming up and you're like, oh God, this is a problem. Like it just feels wrong. And it's, it's just, God, especially now with many of us, some of us are still more or less normal of going to jobs or at least having to check in at a certain time, but do podcasts. some of us are just not, <laughs> I was not nine to, I've never been nine to five. Somehow I've gone my whole life of even high school kind of jobs and college. I never, ever, ever have had the, I guess the last thing was school, high school or college was the last time I actually had a schedule. Because even in my kind of Joe job days, I was video stores and stuff. So that was not the morning usually. So what does that shift start if you're working at like Rogers or whatever? Is that like 11 o'clock kind of thing start or? There was two shifts and I was almost always on the night shift. So it was the store, the one I was at anyhow. And I bet you this was universal. I bet you this was almost like a coast to coast thing, but it was our store was 10 a.m. till midnight. I do know that in my youth, there was 24-hour Rogers videos Whoa. as well, which is bonkers Why? to me. Well, I remember I had friends here in Ottawa who worked at Zach's Diner in the market, and they were 24 hours. So often in our crazy high school days, which were not sex, drugs, and rock and roll, they were video games and VHS movies and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so there would be times when... I or a couple of us would meet friends who were getting off work there at midnight or something. And my house, my mom's house, was not technically walking distance, but you could do it. And we would go on this epic trek through Ottawa and making pit stops along the way, getting home to my mom's house at two or three in the morning, watching a movie, going to bed at dawn like vampires, <laughs> and then continuing along with our summer. But in those days, I always remember being at that Rogers video at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, randomly looking for horror movies to watch. And there'd be people in there. And I guess it's just like, you know, it wasn't packed, but there's other people who are getting off of work. I'm very curious of how many movies they rented at four in the morning. And was it like cops on the night shift or nurses or whoever, you know, who knows? But yeah, it's, it's kind of like those people who go to the 24 hour grocery stores and they're there at like 1130 or like one o'clock. And at least with that, it's like, okay, the food, you know, like staples, whatever you need, like staples of food, not actual staples, but you never know. I, I think it's like kind of a similar subsect, but somehow I was going to say worse, not to like disparage or anything, but it's even at like my lowest, I kind of wish I had gone to a, like a video store at like 1am if I had that option. Like that actually might be a cool vibe. Yeah. Like thinking back on it now, like, so I always worked the evening shift, which I kind of can't remember. I guess it started at four. Four till 12, does that make sense? Yeah, four till 12, five yeah. till 12, something like that. On occasion, I'd work the morning shift and man, it was a different vibe. Like it was, cause same thing, like who is renting a movie at 10.45 a.m. or 1 p.m. on a Wednesday back in the day? Like that meant that you had a different shift. You had nothing to do on a Wednesday afternoon. I always felt that too. I know why I'm doing this, but 
why aren't you at work right now? Even <laughs> going to, I don't even know if they still have it, but when the multiplexes were really swinging, when they were just like, I remember going to the multiplexes in like the late nineties here in Ottawa and they were packed. If they had 12 screens, they were all packed. They had this crazy staff on hand with like 20 people in the popcorn area and half a dozen people selling tickets. Like they were really doing well. And in those days, Every once in a while, I remember going to see a movie with my friends at three o'clock on a Thursday and there'd be 50 people in there. And I was like, who are you people? What? Why aren't you at school or work or something? Where are your kids? Like, You sound a little jealous almost. Yeah. Well, now I am that person, I guess. But <laughs> You see, and now we don't have video stars, so it's, it's like you can't win. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I'm curious how many are left because in Ottawa in the past handful of years, they've really gone extinct. There were some really great video stores, some really great indie video stores in Ottawa, like Elgin Street Video and Invisible Cinema, kind of legendary punk rock almost places. Mm -hmm. And they're all gone, along with the chains, of course, too. Blockbuster, Rogers Video, West Coast Video, which I have learned is a chain. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. there's one in the Glebe. Oh, yeah. Just called, is it Glebe Video or Glebe International yeah, yeah. Video? Something like that. It might be both. It's the tiniest store ever. I haven't been in years, admittedly. Tiny little store on the second level, right on Bank Street. And the other day, I happened to be walking back from the Mayfair, I think after switching up a marquee. And there was a elderly couple with three DVDs in hand heading towards that store. It just makes me think their footprint. I bet you 95% of their customers are walking there. Like it's people who have been renting videos from them for 30 years and they have that routine. I'm curious if there's anybody who rents from them who live a half hour drive away. Yeah. And like, that's their customer base and kind of like the Mayfair, they don't have to sell 10,000 tickets a night. Like, you know, we're not a hockey stadium or something. We have to sell 50, a hundred tickets a day. Yeah. It's just fascinating that they're still hanging in there, that there is a video store in the Glebe that probably doesn't have a ton of patrons, but they have a bunch of loyal mm -hmm. people who go there all the time and rent movies from them. And, and so, yeah, they're still hanging in there. Yeah, and it's upstairs too. So I imagine that even though it is in the Glebe, the rent is probably not as crushing as it is for most businesses there. Yeah, I'm curious their story. I bet you like, I almost bet you that it's somebody who maybe runs another business nearby or maybe they own a chunk there where they're renting out mm. to the stores on the first floor or something like the kind of business that isn't making anybody a million dollars, but is hanging in there and breaking even so mm -hmm. they can and you know the staff is probably like one to two people yeah because i always thought about applying there when i was working at mayfair and doing some sort of weird half half where i'm just ensconced in this weird movie world basically but even then i was just i, I never pursued it I, obviously i was also like you know there's no way that they need someone like they probably get people every day like we do but oh for sure yeah it still felt like my main trepidation was just it's the same with if i was a movie reviewer i don't like the pressure of being like you have to watch these kind of movies you have to watch all these genres to be able to talk about them kind of thing like that's good and that's cool and when i worked at video stores like that's definitely what you should be doing but at this point in my life i'm just like i want to enjoy what i'm watching and like i want to watch what i want to watch you know i don't want to be like i have to watch this pile of stuff because someone might ask about it you know so it's just that's that's totally like 
understandable to expect that but i was like man it would be the same like working at a bookstore like i don't read enough books to be able to be helpful enough there you know so like apart from just being a cashier or something like i just felt it's just too much i'm like i'm getting to a point where i'm like i want to just do my own thing and enjoy that and not feel bad if i want to watch you know the running man or like you know the whiz or something and it's weird when you're at so i was at two different video stores a few years apart West Coast Video, which was a small in Old Ottawa South near the Mayfair, definitely had an independent vibe to it. Although it was a chain, it didn't, we weren't in uniforms or that kind of thing. Then Rogers Video, which actually had a staff shirt and name tags and is a mm. giant chain. And even though not a video store anymore in Canada is still enormous and has yeah. all kinds of different tech businesses and stuff. But it was weird being at rogers video because you had to tow the company line a little bit more and you couldn't it was almost like you couldn't have an opinion or if you did have an opinion you had to skirt around it yeah because if whatever was the new big rental of the week if it was a i'm trying to think of the era that i was there i was there like early 2000s so say it was a new julia roberts movie or one of those bicentennial man or something yeah or one of those kind of thrillers that don't exist anymore like sandra bullock in a scary cell phone movie you know but our manager every once in a while we wouldn't get in trouble but if we just were honest and said oh yeah i didn't like that one but i like that other one we weren't allowed to do that technically like we had to just kind of say like oh yeah, that was a big hit, you know? So like not lying, but not saying what we yeah. actually thought about it, which is understandable. Like you're trying to run a business, but also any human being can't imagine that the clerk likes every single movie there. No, especially like, oh wow, you love every new release. What are the odds of that? It was the same thing at HMV when I worked there. Like to a point you could recommend stuff, but it actually, especially during lunch hours during the week, you had to push the new release. And it was always like Rod Stewart sings the Great American Songbook Part 5 or like something along those lines where I'm just like, I would hate myself if I tried to honestly be like, yeah, this is really good. You should get this. Like it just, you know, the way that I would get around it and probably you would do the same at the video store would be something like, oh, he sang a song on the soundtrack for this different movie or maybe you'd like that. Or like, oh, if you like acoustic music, maybe you'd like, you know, Elliot Smith or something or like it's something just totally different, but still there's a connection of some kind. So you can at least tell your boss is like, oh, what? I'm still upselling. I'm just not a shill. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's same thing. Like I, pretend that HMV still existed. Pretend that compact discs were still the thing. I can't imagine working in a store and being like, like, you just got to be honest, you know, I, especially if there's not a manager mm -hmm. over your shoulder, like just be like, well, you know, I don't love this korean boy band but they're really popular and clearly have talent but they're just not for me mm -hmm. like just kind of be as glass half full as you can around it yeah it's kind of like lee jokes all the time about the mayfair like we just don't show bad movies <laughs> and i am trying to think i'm not even trying to like upsell us but i'm trying to think of the last time i saw a movie that i did not like and i can't think of it but there must have been a time <laughs> in the past 12 years that there was something that i didn't like and i was just like uh, you know, you, you got to just be like, not my kind of thing, but mm -hmm. God, I can't think of it. But also like we haven't screened, we're not screening kind of the big Hollywood stuff that a couple things like, you know, I did not like Aquaman, <laughs> but we didn't screen Aquaman. Oh, that's hard for you to say. I know, man, I wish this is why I'd be a bad critic because I feel bad saying bad things about movies. And if I wrote 
a review about Aquaman, I would just backpedal about how big of a fan of James Wan I am and not talk about Aquaman. You know, I just kind of talk about the comics instead to be like, well, Aquaman's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I just go to the best case scenario. I don't want to make anyone who worked on Aquaman feel bad. And I'm just like, well, you made a billion dollars and I'm a big fan of the comic book character. And I think it's astounding that somebody made a movie of Aquaman who has been a punching bag mm -hmm. in comic book and cartoon circles for decades. And uh, you made a billion dollars. So good job, everybody, you know, but yeah. And everyone likes Jason Momoa. So that's fine. My biggest complaint was I was like, why is Jason Momoa playing Lobo, but he's Aquaman. If you're a comic book nerd at all, and you look at Jason Momoa with his hair and his build and his voice, it's like, uh, you're the perfect casting for Lobo. Yeah. Why did they waste you playing Aquaman? It's very strange, but it worked. It made him a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's still cool. It's all about finding a balance, I guess. Like, I definitely, uh, I don't know. I had a lot of great times working at video stores and at HMV and stuff like that. I mean, you, you pick your battles, but that's something I actually kind of like forget about that aspect of it because it's so like almost humiliating to be honest like to be told oh yeah you have to stand behind whatever this product is because it's new and like it doesn't matter what it is or who's singing it or anything like that and i'm just like customers are not going to believe your credibility when you're trying to recommend actual stuff if you're going to be like caping for whatever is new like it's just it's such a funny like and as you say you know they're running a business of course it makes sense you're going to want to do that but there has to be some leeway there or else you know you're going to just people aren't going to believe you and they're not going to buy anything and they're going to go somewhere else. I always think about that with movie critics and not even now where in the world where Disney owns everything. But if I remember correctly, I think Entertainment Tonight in its heyday before it kind of went more tabloid and everything when it was kind of a innocent movie review behind the scenes show with fluff pieces talking to celebrities. When I was a kid and Leonard Maltin was on it, I think Entertainment Tonight was Paramount. And I'm curious if any kind of underhanded powers that be went to Leonard and were like, if you're going to review this movie, you got to give it a good review. Or if you have a bad review, we'll just do something else on the show because it's kind of a weird situation to be in is you're on our show. It's Paramount. We don't want you bad mouthing Paramount Pictures. Mm -hmm. I bet you that must have happened every once in a while where they just even if they went the high road and said, OK, you didn't like fill-in-the-blank Paramount movie that's out this week, go review something else. Like, just don't do it. Yeah, it, it's really confusing. And I also find it funny, like, when actors that you respect, you're, like, in something that they know sucks, but they have that couple-of-week obligation of not bad-mouthing it, basically. Yeah. And so you just, you get people like, I don't know, like, Michael Caine for Jaws 4 or, <laughs> yeah. or something to that. And you're just like, I just love that moment. Or actually, you know, a good one is kind of like John Boyega in, in Star Wars. Because you just get to a point where you're like, okay, are we done? Can I finally just be like, I don't really care about Star Wars all that much. And like, you guys take this way more seriously than I ever did or what? Oh, yeah. And even if the actor's not trying to be rude or anything, I've had the smallest bit of that the past few weeks because a comic book that I co-wrote is out right now called Damn Cursed Children. I'll give it a little plug. Big reviews, seeing some good stuff. And it's just been, it's been very nice. It's very nice and flattering and makes you feel filled with geek pride that we've gotten some very nice reviews. My writing partner Howard and I have done, I don't know, 20 podcasts in the past couple weeks, maybe more. And you're just, you're answering a lot of the same questions. So that's that's just us little guys writing an independent comic book who have done a bunch of nerd podcasts. So imagine John Boyega, who's probably sitting in a hotel room from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. 
with a bit of a lunch break and doing 60 second or three minute interviews with news channels all over the world over and over and over again either in person or via laptop god like it's hard to keep a smile on i'm sure when you're answering the same star wars question for the 850th time that week yeah it's really upsetting but like it's pretty awesome to see like because you can tell he was already he'd made a good name for himself even before star wars but i mean at this point he and his family are set for generations and it's pretty awesome to just see him not give a shit <laughs> just get to a point where he's and it's the same kind of thing with harrison ford actually because you see he's he obviously loves like what star wars has brought him but he also does not care about it like i mean like he cares about it but he's not this weird obsessive dude who cares about your question i've seen people almost critical about that who are just like oh you know for something that brought him so much it's weird that he doesn't embrace the fandom more and i was like He's been involved in this for like, God, how many years now? And just how many stupid questions are just irrelevant? You know, like, oh, did Greedo actually shoot you first? You know, it's like, why would he care about these things? You know, I really have a lot of respect for someone who can just be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm happy you like this, but I do not care. Yeah, I just watched a documentary called I Am Burt Reynolds. And I hmm. think it's a part of a series that some channel does they do like 90 minute documentaries of the I am because I saw one a while ago and it was who was it? I think I've seen I am Richard Pryor and I am Muhammad Ali, I think. So I think it's like a series. Yeah. Was there a Connery one or am I imagining that? That could be. Yeah. It's one of those like I guess it's technically a movie. It might be a TV series. I don't know. But so I saw that I am Burt Reynolds and it was really good and it just came to mind of us talking about this kind of thing of Burt Reynolds in his heyday would get in super trouble over and over again <laughs> because he knew that the latest Cannonball Run movie that he did was not highbrow Shakespearean thespian work but he did it with kind of a smile on his face but he would get in trouble because he'd be going on Johnny Carson and rolling his eyes at the latest movie he did and when he did something like Deliverance, which was great, he would say that. He would say, you know, I've done three or four movies in a row that have done well, but aren't superb and didn't have great scripts, but were a lot of fun to do. And meanwhile, the studio would be like, that's still in theaters, shut up, <laughs> you know? But <laughs> And that was his kind of whole career where it was kind of a sad documentary because he was clearly a superstar and did very well, but he always wanted to be something else and either just missed out he had to turn down something really impressive because he was stuck doing something schlocky he was under contract mm -hmm. and you look at the laundry list of movies that he almost did and you look at filmmakers that he missed out on working with and he still had a very fine career but those gaps in there where he wasn't doing superb stuff that hurt him so he was very honest about that and you look at the what if of his career and he very easily could have been somebody just with a few more steps towards legitimacy like a harrison ford but he didn't really get to do a movie like blade runner or witness or the fugitive stuff like that he got to do boogie nights but that was you know 20 years after doing smoking the bandit it's hard out there every time i see that i'm anytime somebody walks away from hollywood but still works in hollywood yeah that's why you know it's it's tough out there well it's cool that he at least got to do uh, quite a bit of directing which is like 
you know, something that you wouldn't think people like that would really even get a shot to do once even, yeah. let alone several times. Yeah, that definitely does suck. A bit of it is typecasting. A bit of it is being trapped by contracts and stuff like that. A bit of it is maybe even like, I, well, I was going to say attitude, not necessarily that he wouldn't be offered stuff, but just maybe that, you know, he would turn his nose up at something like a, a Star Wars or, you know, whatever. And then it ends up blowing up and you're like, oh, well, shoot, <laughs> like that maybe would have been good. Oh, yeah. But it's cool. He, I mean, he, he had a hell of a career regardless. And you see him in Boogie Nights and you're like, oh, yeah, you can act. Mm-hmm. He had tons of charisma and charm. But yeah, you can act as well. And, and it, a lot of it is just it's like any career, any life, no matter what you're doing. He could have easily ended up to be a Clint Eastwood style, less acting, more directing, Oscar winning kind of person. But he went left instead of right on a decision or missed out on an audition when he was younger or his agent screwed up something. And that's every single actor in Hollywood, no matter if they're a little character actor or the biggest star in the world, Mm -hmm. you hear stories and it's always like somebody could have done this instead of that. And that's everybody. And it's, we've been talking about treat Williams a little bit lately. (laughs) I really like treat Williams. I love deep rising and he's done some really cool character actor stuff. And in his youth did some bigger movies. And you look at his resume, he's still working. He's still paying the bills. He's still successful actor, Mm -hmm. but In an alternate universe, he very easily could have been somebody as big as Bruce Willis or Harrison Ford in the 80s and 90s. But not everybody can do that. Or people would look at Mark Hamill's career and think it was a failure because he wasn't Harrison Ford. And I'm like, it's not Mark Hamill's fault. He was in a movie when he was 20 years old with a guy who went on to be the biggest movie star of the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. That's just he worked with somebody who got the one in a billion shot and took it. Yeah, well, and it's ironic because his is the opposite of Harrison Ford in that he's completely embraced the fandom and just... Oh, for sure. It couldn't be more different. And and also, like, I mean, even if you just focused on what he's done for voice acting, that's as big a legacy in some ways, especially to animation fans. Oh, yeah. And Mark Hamill has nothing to be ashamed of because you look at his (laughs) career and... It's so filled with cool nerd stuff like being on the Batman cartoon or the Spider-Man cartoon and then slightly more recent stuff like he's still in cartoons like Adventure Time or he was on the Dark Crystal thing on Netflix Mm -hmm. and he just shows up in little weird indie movies still now like ever since kind of making the big screen comeback with the Star Wars trilogy that he had you know a smaller role in but was in Mm -hmm. that kind of I think made people go like oh yeah he's actually a good actor and we've had him on screen in what was that movie I just read it but it was the brother the bear movie I want to say Bixby bear but I don't know if that's right it's something bear yeah that's close yeah but he was in that and then doing the voice in Child's Play. And he's doing all kinds of cool stuff like that now. And to be a working actor, a lot of people that we know who are actors, it's kind of the same in comic books. It's interesting. It's like there's a lot of people who have really fine comic book careers, but they will still be teaching or doing graphic design work or doing storyboards in movies mm-hmm. because the thing they love doesn't pay the bills 100%. And so... When you see an actor who you think is famous and they're doing a commercial, that's why, because that commercial is going to then allow them to go do a play for six months. Yeah. And also, uh, I forgot he had that cameo in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, which was really great as well. Oh, which I haven't seen, which got nothing but glowing response. Oh, it was Brigsby Bear. My bad. Brigsby Bear. Yeah. But Mark Hamill is going to be an actor akin to Christopher Lee, if not in style, but just in career, where there's going to be nothing but cool filmmakers 
going up in the ranks starting 10 years ago to the next 20 years Mm -hmm. who are going to continue to put Mark Hamill in their movies. And so he's going to get that Quentin Tarantino shot. He's going to get that Peter Jackson kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. there's definitely going to be a couple of more neat things like that especially that he just did what we do in the shadows. Now I'm like, maybe he'll show up in a Taika Waititi Thor movie or something. Yeah. That's not going to be stuff like that's not unheard of. I think Mark Hamill's got definitely more post Star Wars cool stuff in his future. Yeah. And I'm definitely intrigued to see no spoilers, but I'm intrigued to see if and how they work him into future like Disney plus shows, if, if at all or not. I mean, there's a lot of options. Yeah. And the way that, A shared universe like Star Wars works, of course, is that at the exact same time, you could have a show set in what I call quote unquote present day, which would be the end of Rise of Skywalker. Star Wars universe doesn't exactly line up with us, but Mando is, I believe, established as five or seven years after Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it from our brain point of view, you're like, okay, that's the late 80s, (laughs) you know? So so it's strange, but you could still have more stories with Mark Hamill, with Luke Skywalker showing up somewhere in there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because like they can either do nothing or they can motion capture stuff or just body double stuff or just audio only. Like, I mean, there's so many ways they could go with it or not. Yeah, like if people haven't watched... Star Wars Rebels because they thought it was just a Saturday morning cartoon and Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Clone Wars I love. Rebels I super love. You know, watch those shows because there's some great stuff on there. And so, yeah, like if it got announced tomorrow that they were doing a Rebel style Luke Skywalker animated series with Mark Hamill set in between the end of Return of the Jedi and the beginning of Force Awakens, I'd be thrilled, but I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be like, yep, that makes sense. Yeah. We're we're here for it. Get our tickets in early. Yeah. As a like kind of side note, I was going to shout out the passing of Hal Holbrook. It's wild to me to think a 95-year-old actor, you know, who's been in so many iconic roles, if you were to ask someone of my dad's age, you know, he'd be like, oh, all the President's Men or Mark Twain or whatever. But for me, like, I really think of like Creepshow and The Fog, which are super important to me. But, you know, to some non-genre fans I guess you could really turn your nose up at that and I just thought it really takes something to have an actor of that kind of gravitas to really like buy into a role like that like not unlike what Nicolas Cage does these days you know who could just it'd be easy in the wrong hands it would just be a throwaway role but you have someone who's just like it's just it's just so good at their craft that you, you know you, you almost remember the role more than the movie in some cases I always think that of pick any actor with a 40 50 year career but I always think that that there's some kid out there who their first viewing of the talent of Michael Caine was Batman Begins. And then they went, wow, that guy's great. When they were like 12 years old, they saw Batman Begins. (laughs) And then go back and are like, oh my God. And they watch Get Carter or watch Italian Job or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's every single actor. Because like some kid out there, the first Brad Pitt movie they saw when they were like 12 or 13 was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's crazy to think that, that somebody so big is their first viewing by somebody when they're a 12 or 13 or 14 year old when they're starting to watch movies by themselves especially nowadays i'm sure with Mm -hmm. streaming it's so easy that yeah like somebody's 
first Brad Pitt movie was Once Upon a Time. And then they go back and they're like, I wonder if he's in anything else good and start exploring. Like Jack Nicholson as well. Like, could you imagine if your first exposure was either Joker or say like anger management even? Yeah. Like, could you imagine if that was the first thing you, you're like, I'm an Adam Sandler fan. You're like, who's this funny Jack Nicholson? I wonder if he was in anything good. It's <laughs> yeah. just like this lengthy career of so many classics. Or if you saw Batman first and then went back and watched Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice and Night Shift, you'd be like, what? How did they cast this guy as Batman? And then Birdman. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God, yeah. It's getting weird. And then Spider-Man. I wonder how many people watched Birdman or Spider-Man not having seen Michael Keaton as Batman. It sounds crazy, yeah. but if some kid was like 10 years old seeing Spider-Man, or even nowadays, you know, if some 15, 16-year-old saw Birdman, I'm always fascinated by that when we're doing an introduction in-house for a movie. And it'll be something. It'll be Blair Witch Project. It'll be Gremlins. It'll be It's a Wonderful Life. And I just do the, hey, show of hands, who here has not seen this movie before? And like 30 hands shoot up. And I was like, holy <laughs> cow, this is a great way for you to see It's a Wonderful Life for the first time. Yeah. We always forget that as movie nerds, but it's like, yeah, this is somebody's first time seeing this movie. Well, especially seeing it in that kind of environment. It just, that's essentially how you would have seen it when it came out. Yeah. More or less. So yeah, big shout out to Hal Holbrook. <laughs> oh, Hal Holbrook. <laughs> we miss you already. We would do a Hal Holbrook night if we weren't on lockdown. We would for sure. Lee would be all over that. There would either be something in cinema or there'd be like some cool actual film being shown for people to come see. Yeah, a bit of both. It's like once those new condos get filled with older people, they'll be <laughs> yeah. big Hall Holbrook fans. <laughs> Man, it's funny you mentioned that. I don't think I talked about it, but I put up a picture of our neighborhood is going to get a bunch of new condos in it. And it means that a nearby store, a kind of a kid's store, a pub, and a Thai restaurant are going away. So I snapped a picture to put on Facebook and Twitter just because any content to kind of keep talking about the Mayfair is nice, keeps the conversation going. And some people were fine and some people got really mad. And it's always funny because this was happening. This is not the fault of COVID. These businesses, this was happening before. I posted a picture of a theoretical look of the building that was posted back in 2019. So way before any of the COVID stuff happened. So, so these businesses aren't going away because of COVID. And I think one of the businesses at least will be coming back in this new venture. So I totally understand the argument back and forth of gentrification and everything. But for myself, and this is my opinion, I just have to look at it kind of glass half full of be like, yeah, it's too bad. I really like that Thai restaurant, but I know that the family there is retiring who ran it. And the pub is friendly with us and we get ice from them on occasion and stuff like that. But I just have to look at it of, well, it's happening. And that means a lot more customers in the neighborhood for us and for House of Targ and for Black Squirrel Books. So it's an interesting change, but you just got to look at it for a little indie business and be like, well, we're still here. And that's a bunch of new people who will come see movies, hopefully. I never even thought about the ice thing. Like, like that's going to be, that changes everything. That's the biggest thing. A business where we go frequently to steal ice from is now not there. I was like, well, I wonder if they need that ice machine that they have. <laughs> I wonder if we can take it. Well, you can get a good deal on that. Yeah, we can store it for them until if they come back or if they're going to a new location or whatever. Yeah, so. Here are two free passes. You're like, well, that's not really a good trade. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's change. I understand the fear of change. I certainly can't afford living in any of these condos. <laughs> There's two going up, one right on Bank Street in between Euclid and Elmer and one on Elmer right behind the church. I thought they were tearing down the church, mm -hmm. but I guess it's like there's a building 
behind the church. And so they're taking over that. So the church will stay, might even be attached. I don't know. But the penthouse suite in that Elmer church building is like $3.7 million, which is a lot. <laughs> Three point some odd million dollars more than I can afford. So, yeah. But man, is my dream is to live within a block of the Mayfair. Man, it would make my life so much easier of just like going in for chores, going in to meet people doing repairs, switching the marquee. Ah, it'd be lovely if I lived two houses away from the Mayfair, but yeah, it's a semi laziness thing, but not it's an efficiency thing is what it is. Yeah. It's efficiency slash lazy. If I was going to a movie at six 30, if I could text whoever was managing and be like, save my seat and then stroll in at six 29 after leaving the house at six 25. Oh man. Ah, That'd be lovely. Yeah, that's the dream. That's like what if you like lived across the street. I think I, I used to live like a block from when I worked at a grocery store, and it was like the best because you could you could leave like five minutes before your shift. Yeah, and it feel you know that's kind of not cool to do, but it's you could. You could, yeah. So we're gonna start wrapping this up. We have a deadline because being the recording podcast from home, Gwen is at home and she has a meeting in five or six minutes for her work about Hal Holbrook yeah and our place isn't big enough if I was in another room we would still hear each other talking so <laughs> we don't have a sound booth we don't have a basement with a uh, sound studio built into it so not, not yet that's the way things go I just saw a thing where some newswoman was doing the weather from her house which is crazy I guess she just had like a green screen set up <laughs> and then was she just looking outside she's like I, I think there's some snow I, like I don't even know no it looked very professional like I thought she was in a studio but the joke was that her little three-year-old walked in and interrupted and it was like geez husband you had one job to do and you still let the kid in the room like, come on that's the world we're all in but before we leave we had a fun thing where one of our listeners asked if we could do a birthday shout out yeah, i almost forgot about this i was like did we forget the thing no i've been so paranoid about this the last couple of weeks <laughs> because she actually signed up for this a couple weeks ago and i was like to be honest our advertising on this is a lot of kind of back and forth of saying nice things about house of target black squirrel and they say nice things about us i have no concept of what to charge so the person was just kind enough to go to our paypal account that people are paying for the marquee with and shoot us a couple of bucks which i was just like full disclosure i probably would have just done this as a nicety but very nice for them to give us a couple of bucks for our ongoing fundraising so we will wish a happy 28th birthday to nick huge i feel like a uh, old-timey dj now <laughs> but uh we, we love nicks too like my bad movie night has two nicks whoa. so i'm always very supportive of nicks and their birthdays and this isn't one of them one of your nicks doesn't have a 28th birthday i don't think so but one of them his birthday was last week though so like man maybe hey maybe it is no i don't think it's the same nick but we love all movie loving nicks equally i think so we're gonna post this podcast on thursday february 4th and i think that is nick's actual okay. birthday okay and so his partner amanda said that it lined up well with that and i said should we say anything specific and she didn't really say that we had a specific thing to say just that he would have got a kick out of having his birthday announced on the podcast and that he was a big fan of quentin tarantino and the muppets and Ooh. i was like oh so they he's like an offspring of andrew and i so yeah oh man well i don't know if he knows but in the upcoming nicholas cage movie there's a tarantino cameo what so this is the one that's out in march the one where cage plays a fictionalized version of himself oh my god and so yeah 
just there you go. There you go, Nick. Like there's a little pre-birthday shout out. In a month, you're going to be able to see your boy in a Nicolas Cage movie. Hopefully at the Mayfair. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. It's all I want. <laughs> Confirmed. I mean, I know I know the end of the world is happening and there's a lot of awful things happening all over our planet. But my <sighs> one wish is that we get to play this next Nicolas Cage movie. Oh. That's your one wish. I love it. <laughs> That's it. That's all I need. Now... Sir, you could wish for world peace and a cure to the COVID. No, no, no. I want to play the Nick Cage movie. Yeah, we're doing this for Nick. It's for Nick's birthday. <laughs> this is a birthday wish. This is for Nick. Yeah. If you don't let us play the Nick Cage movie for Nick, his birthday's ruined. His name is Nick. I didn't even like, you know, I wasn't even focusing on that part. You know, he's got to be a Cage fan. She, yeah. Amanda didn't say it, but I'm assuming he is, so... If he isn't, we'll edit Nick's birthday wish out of the podcast now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's too late. Yeah. But so happy birthday, Nick. Thank you. And thank everybody else for listening. Just stay tuned. Every time I've been changing the marquee at the Mayfair the last couple of weeks or stopping in, on cue, somebody walks by and is like, are you reopening? And the answer is just always, we don't know. We will find out when you find out. There will be a press <laughs> conference that says when businesses are okay to reopen and we will find out at that same time so stay tuned the answer is always stay six feet away from the ladder please yeah <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop breathing on my ladder you're part of the problem so tune in next week we'll be back with another podcast we'll maybe do it a couple hours later so andrew can join us Yay. and we'll see you soon at the mayfair and we'll see you soon back here for another podcast thanks everybody bye, bye. and now i'm gonna go find out if hal hallbrook ever made a movie with treat williams so that we can watch that next oh he had to yeah, I know. He was around for 95 years. Come on. It is night. It is cold. It is coming. For all those who can hear my voice, look into the darkness across the water. Look. For the fog. John Carpenter's The Fog. What in the living hell is out there? John Carpenter's The Fog. Coming soon from Avco Embassy Pictures.